Hello and welcome to another edition of Two Irish Guys Discussing Sandra. That's 15 podcasts later. Yeah, well, you know, sitting in front of you now, we can see you. Uh, it was getting the joke was becoming pretty stale. It, it was like what <laughs> it was like one of those dad jokes we we refer to our children give out to us about. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, we could we could do better. We could do better. But welcome, welcome to our podcast. Two Irish guys discussing software. I'm here with Brendan Walsh. Hello, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. We, if you haven't heard us before, we talk about uh, lots of things in the software industry, but our particular focus is on the mega vendors, big tech, um, the mean things that happen in software world, uh, the unsavory tactics that happen. Um, and I am, uh, as I said, Tomas O'Leary, and I'm delighted to have you all here today. We will have a very nice topic later in the show. We'll be to go through our usual kind of introductions, but we have a really good guest, Guy Tritton, who's been with us before. Yep. Guy is a IP barrister. He is a 25 years, actually, believe it or not. He is uh, also author of an intellectual property book on the European Software Directive that I believe it's in the fifth or sixth edition. So he is a very well-known, very well-renowned person. And we are going to talk about the lawsuit of the decade in the software world. It is the fight between Google and Oracle. It could be interesting. Yeah. It's quite technical, but it's very, very relevant. Two very big mega vendors. Indeed. Yeah, sure. Indeed. Yeah. So, so we've had an interesting, well, actually, have we? July. Yeah. Quiet enough. We're not traveling. No. Well, we don't normally travel in July, actually. Yeah, well, we might have had a bit of travel on the back of us, but yeah, the summer period is pretty quiet, typically. There's been a few online events. Yeah, well, you know, this time last year, I was looking at my diary over the weekend. Yeah. I was kind of, because actually it has been very boring. In Ireland, we've had <laughs> the worst weather in July that I can remember on record. We may, we may have had worse, but because of COVID and... We had great weather during the main period of a lockdown yes yeah it's amazing and then had, the country opened up and it rained it rained yeah. it's like as if it was crying <laughs> it's been crying on top of us but like a year ago i was you know the sort of things you just couldn't even dream of doing today I was at macy i went to see macy gray remember macy gray oh yeah i remember you went yeah to macy see macy gray, gray. Yeah. Yeah. i went to see the comedians they're called the dirt birds yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes their official yeah. name check them out yeah. uh they're a very very funny irish duo comedian comedians uh yeah but you just don't there's nothing. There's nothing on. There's nothing on. Except, actually, you, you have a holiday coming up. I have a holiday coming up, but I was watching, I know you're big into racing, I was watching racing from the Galway races, from Ballybrit, uh, I know you're a big racing yeah. fan, behind closed doors. It was really weird just watching, uh, like Ted Walsh, you, you, you know, uh, was on just saying it's just a really weird experience, like football is behind closed doors. Yeah. All the things we actually like to watch yeah. and attend. Yeah. Are all behind closed doors. He said, stay at home, yeah. sit on your couch, have your cup of tea and your slice of apple tart. Bring, <laughs> bring your mates and discuss who you think you're going to put the money on. Money on, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm heading to the west of Ireland. I'm staycationing. I'm, I'm adhering to all the advice, uh, mostly because my flight was cancelled, but I'm also adhering to uh, advice. But I'm heading to the west of Ireland for a digital holiday. Oh, next week a digital holiday yeah apparently that's the new buzzword a digital holiday is he going to go off all technology going to get well certainly zoom and get not zoom teams yeah anything to do with anything that has web 
in our X or anything like that at the front of it or behind it. I dare you to leave your laptop and phone behind. Yeah. I don't have to leave them behind because I might want to be putting a few bets on Paddy Power or something on the Ballybrick. But no, I, I'm, I've told the guys here, I said, please leave me alone. I'm going to really try and get away for a week because we've yeah. been working pretty hard and need a break. I know, so, I know, I know. Yeah. And I do actually, to be honest with you, and I know you you you, get, you stress about it a little bit this podcast, but yeah. I actually love this podcast because yeah. it feels a little bit cleansing. It's kind of <laughs> I feel we can come on and we're going to talk about some really good stories. And I know we 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 like like to attack the big mega vendors. And we like to, but really what we're trying to do is we're just trying to point out all the things that are wrong, yeah. all the stupid things that we take for granted and we often accept in business, yeah. in the software industry. What the hell are we doing accepting all these things? Yeah. And this is our chance. In a kind of a fun way, tongue in cheek, mm. to point them out and say, "Listen, guys, should we be doing this? Should we be taking this on board? There is a there's a different way of doing these mm. things." Um, well, they just keep giving us ammo, and it's very hard not to reload the gun. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I'm, so... I'm looking forward to seeing the ammo this week. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> we'll we'll come on to guy in, in a few minutes, and I'm really looking forward to talk about that case because actually. Despite all of the, the humor and good fun we have, there's some serious things that, that mm. you know, technology has a huge impact on our lives and it is deadly serious. While you have, you know, nothing wrong with having a bit of fun and putting things out, but actually it's some serious things going on. It'd be raised. But um, there has been some news because this has, is kind yeah, of earnings yeah. season, I it, believe. It, yeah, I mean, if it's depending on the vendor, but yeah, end of June would have been the end of Q2 for IBM and SAP and uh, and also Microsoft Q4. So a little bit of update on that. That's sort of fly through. And then I've got a story of the week, which I'll, I'll, oh. I'll dangle uh, uh, the carrot in front of you. I look forward to yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So tell me, how, how have the software vendors been doing? Because, uh, yeah, I mean, it depends, you know, what way you want to look at them. But some of them have been doing well. And I'll come to the specifics. But the only one that really stands out is declining again year on year uh, for the second quarter in a row is our friend IBM. So ah, revenues okay. down. Is that a surprise? Well, I hear people are buying their stock. I, there's a bit more upbeat what, conversation yeah, well, about them. Well, yeah, well, I'll fill you in. So there's a surprising bullet point at the end, but they're down year on year at 18.12 billion. Uh, second quarter in a row, uh, down 5.4% from 19.16 million in Q2 2019 which in itself was the fourth quarter of declining revenue. So it, it kind of ended up as being uh, four quarters of declining revenue. So you have to go back to kind of Q2 2018 for an uplift, which was 20 billion. So they're down from 18.12 billion from 20 billion, which was 2018, which in itself in 2018 was, was the end of a five-year trend of declining revenue. So we've been talking about this for a while. But I did, I did a bit of research and I had to go all the way back to, I went all the way back to Q2 2010 just to see when was there a positive story. And Q2 2010, the revenue was 24 billion and now it's 18.12 billion. So they've lost 6 billion in quarterly revenue in, in that 10 year period, which is just mind boggling. Yeah, I know they've, stole, they've stole some companies. And... They've sold some companies, but yeah, and we've talked about that, but but it's still 6 billion in, in quarterly time revenue. I, I, but the biggest number that jumps out at me is that their net income uh, was 1.36 billion, which was 46% down year on year. So net income, you take about e e expenses and operational costs, and they're and it's down 40 46%. So yeah. revenue is down, but obviously there's a lot of expense. Maybe there's some expense from the uh, the Red Hat acquisition. But surprisingly, 
their shares rose 6% as analysts were actually expecting a worse outcome. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. So they expected it to be bad, but it wasn't as bad as they thought it was going to be. So the shares rose at, on the day. So the main thing is we're still trying to see if the Red Hat gamble will pay off, you know, because yeah. that's, you know, that's the big... And it, is, it, it is, to be fair, a little bit early to judge Arvind Krishna on his role. He's got a, he got a time to bet in. Although he's been in IBM an awful long time, you would have thought he'd get things moving a bit faster. He's inherited declining re- revenue yeah. from Ginny Romney, so he, he has to turn that around. But look, you know, they, they might well do it. Red, I said Red Hat is, is, did, is performing Did well. you see they, they had a, there was a bit of a row on Twitter with it? There's a company called oh. Yellow Brick that, kind of put, uh, that they it. compete with um, their Natiza uh, oh, right. uh, analytics brand. Mm. Um, they had a bit of a tip tat. They attacked this little, it's only a small company. I'm yeah. not, not sure how big it is. It's, so it's not a unicorn. And they came out with this, uh, this Twitter and LinkedIn attack. And it goes, obviously, the name of the company is Yellow Brick. And there we go Yellow Brick roads are for fairy tales. Natiza, there's no place like home. I mean, honestly, you know, talk about the Wizard of Oz metaphor. Yeah. And then, then the guys in Yellow Brick came back, uh, lions and tigers and dinosaurs. Oh, that's sure. Oh, my. Get true analytics with Yellow Brick data. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, well, that's, I mean, that's great for Yellow Brick. I know. Why would you take on? Yeah. Honestly, why would you take on a small yeah. fright? Bring in there. Everybody, yeah, now everybody knows yeah, about it. suddenly has a million followers. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, that was pretty foolish of them. But even, even the likes of McDonald's would never have done that to Burger King or Coke would never do that to Pepsi. You know, the bigger brand would never even dare. Yeah. And, but, and those most. guys will be very, will be neck and neck. Yeah. But honestly, these guys are so far, there's so no, far there's, away. There's no such thing as bad advertising. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, Good for them. So lots of other stuff going on here. Uh, Microsoft Q4, uh, their year end is June 30th. So they had to, they're, they're doing well. They had a 38 billion revenue that surpassed the 36.5 expectations. So they grew, tw- they grew 12%, mm-hmm. 12.8% year on year. And uh, their market cap has now gone past 1.5 trillion. It was not that long ago, actually, they passed a trillion. I think it was kind of... Less than 12 months ago, they passed the trillion mark, and already they're 1.5 trillion in mark. And we still can't find a juicy story on them. And it's very hard to find a bad news, and I really looked very hard. <laughs> but it said the slump wiped 46 million from their market cap, and I was like, well, that's really insignificant against 1.5 trillion. But it's notable that their Azure revenue only grew by 47%, which keeps declining. I mean, it, it's, it was below uh, the prior the, the growth, The growth. The keeps, growth. Yeah. But the market was expecting it to accelerate. But the mm. trend in it declining is accelerating. So by comparison, Azure grew, grew 75% in Q2 2019. So its growth in this quarter is only 47%. And the markets didn't like that very much. So but it's so it's still grow, growing, but not sufficiently for investors, right? Wow. And then they have, I suppose, LinkedIn, uh, owned by Microsoft. Some bad news there. It's cutting 960 jobs or 6% of its global workforce, which, can, you know, not to be unexpe- not unexpected on the back of kind of the weak jobs market and slowing advertising. Uh, that, that, that might impact LinkedIn here in Ireland. They've got a big, a big uh, workforce here. So hopefully that won't uh, be too bad. Another root news then SAP. Yeah. Also seems to be weathering the COVID-19 storm. It did take a bit of a nosedive on its software licensing revenue, down 18%, but its cloud revenue was up 30%. And also its operating profit was profit was up 55%. So if you compare that to an IBM, it, it's yeah. definitely bucking the trend. They seem to be making the move to the cloud a little bit better. 
I mean, I'm sure if we spoke to some of our compatriots in the third parties of software maintenance industry, who probably mm. give us a lot of interesting reasons why, mm. but they but they do seem to be able to get them get their clients or something. Yeah. You know, I mean, and they don't seem to be leaving to go to Oracle. So Larry Ellison was claiming not so long ago that he would he was expecting yeah. you know How, SAP clients to move. Uh, to him. Any news on Oracle? A little bit, yeah, coming coming up. Okay, <laughs> but uh, just one more thing to say on, on, on SAP, which is yeah. kind of interesting. They're divesting of Qualtrics, so this is quite interesting. So the customer employment survey company we bought that last year. Bill McDermott bought it about two years ago. Oh, he stepped down and see a CEO in 2019. Yeah. Went to service now. He bought it on 20 times expected 2018 revenue for eight billion. Yeah. So and it's, so it's the first major kind of strategic decision by Christian Klein. Yeah. Who's been with SAP since he was a kid? I think he's been there since he was a student. Yeah, he was co-CEO with Jennifer Morgan. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, there's yeah. probably a co-CEO story out there because there's been quite a few co-CEOs. We have the mega vendors. We have a very interesting guest coming up very soon. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Right. I'll tell you about okay. that later. Yeah, well, lots of co-CEOs and lots of those splitting up. Yeah. She departed someone early in 2018. But anyway, they're selling Qualtrics, or they're not selling it, sorry, they're going to do a, a partial listing, partial IPO. They're going to maintain majority shareholding, but they're still going to list it. I think it's the best thing for Qualtrics, even though it's performing very well with a 35% year-on-year growth. So some market analysts are wondering why that's the case, but maybe it's Christian Klein kind of making his mark. Uh, and it's here also with the news for developing a COVID-19 warning app, hmm. uh, which wasn't without its hitches, but it's been pretty successful. They developed it in conjunction with Deutsche Telekom. It's had 16 million downloads uh, within 50, 50 days. Sorry, it was brought to market within 50 days and not and soon after it's had 16 million downloads. There was a bit of a hitch at the beginning because the Android and Apple operating systems weren't cooperating. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't allowing the back, a background refresh or background operating to, to, to occur. So unless you had the app open, it, yeah. you weren't getting an alert if you had been in contact with somebody with COVID nineteen, so that's been fixed. But they got a bit of a bit of a bit of stick for that. So there, there's our COVID story of the week. Then good COVID story of the week, yeah. but an interesting kind of software story. But uh, Oracle, yes, so Oracle, I want to know Oracle, more about Oracle. Yeah, so a bit of Larry, news, yeah, Larry's been in the news, so not for good things, um, is he ever? But so Salesforce at market cap, uh, not their revenue, uh, but their market cap has eclipsed that of Oracle, and this is quite interesting because. Uh, Mark Benioff, who uh, was the founder of Salesforce back in two, uh, 1999, I think it was, uh, would seed funding from Larry. I think he got about two million from Larry. Yeah. And he decided to leave Oracle, where Larry was his mentor, and set up Salesforce and go out and set up this SaaS company, uh, and 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 did that with Larry's blessing um, and money and, and money. money and the two the two yeah. mil, yeah, which was seed kind of seed funding. Very soon thereafter, however, Larry's, uh, one of his investment firms, invested $125 million into Goldberg. So, if, you know, Goldberg, and they were all part of, or part of Oracle, into his NetSuite SaaS yeah. offering. So a much bigger investment. But he also then went ahead and set up a competing company. Mm. So this is something I didn't know until I read it recently. But So in 2000, yeah. having released Benioff, he sets up a competitor called Oracle Sales Online. And to try and compete with his former student, he let people try and use it for free. So, uh, so they yeah. kind of had a bit of a falling out. Larry was on the board of Salesforce. Yeah, he was thrown off, wasn't he? he? Was yeah. Thrown off. Yeah. yeah and uh, in 2010, Benioff says, "I really don't see Oracle as a competitor," which is great. But now this is the big milestone. So he's uh, eclipsed Oracle's revenue. So our Oracle's market cap 
Wow. At 180 billion, and Oracle stand 174 billion. So I see Larry. Larry has been selling some stock for the first time in nearly 10 years. Yeah. Sells right. some stock in 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 Oracle. Mm-hmm. I think he had some stock options that were expiring. He had to he had to buy them and then sell them on. So right. made another nice little profit. Uh, as yeah. only he does. Yeah. Well, uh, well, the market caps of, the, of the, about. I think he sold it for 60 million. Sorry, bought them for 60 million and sold them for 154 million. You know, the net I, wealth of some of these these guys like Jeff Bezos is increasing just to staggering levels yeah. over the period of time. Well, this is the thing. We're going to come on. I've got yeah, a story yeah. at the end that I'm going to talk about some of that. But actually, I see as well. I mean, obviously, the, the, the a lot of things in the news and the protests, the Black Lives Matter protests going on around the world around just inclusion and diversity. And, and I see even Oracle had a lawsuit. I'm sure not the only company, to be honest with you. I see a lot of this stuff is going to go on in the U.S. about uh, their failure to be inclusive. Mm. So turning a blind eye to to diversity. So it's going to be a big, big issue going going forward. Yeah, no, I think I think Oracle are. I mean, all the big vendors. They're all. Was, was, were there any other results? Uh, no, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Results front. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking at. But if you look at all of these companies, like you got, you know, we're talking about IBM, there, Oracle, SAP, Salesforce. I mean, they're all and Microsoft. They're they're you know these huge companies, and, and I'm looking at the news as well around you know we talked about things that are happening. The big thing happening, obviously, in, in technology is around data and who owns the data, and this this is a massive big issue right everywhere. I mean, look at Google's acquisition of Fitbit recently, and now there's a whole big concern about the data that they're now gathering. Are they going to use that? Yeah. Are they tracking? You know, we all, many of us are carrying Fitbits. We're doing a, sure. um, a, a Fitbit challenge here in the company for the month of July. We're all carrying Fitbits. It knows where we are, what we're doing. You know, the apps are connected. God knows where the data has been shared. Knows our heart rate. You know, what, what time we go to bed at. Yeah. I mean, yeah. honestly, yeah. you know, I mean, it, you, you put these things on and you realize actually you've got this permanent kind of... It actually freaks me out. I mean, I, I use Map My Run, mm. you know. And sometimes, like you know, I share my results or I post my results, and then yeah. I realize, having done that, it knows where I live because it's actually seeing where I've started my journey from, yeah. tracks me all the way through where I run and then back yeah. home again. I'm going, Jesus! It, it not just knows now what I'm doing and my steps; it actually knows yeah. where I'm living. So that's well, a bit scary. Well, some good stuff happening in the U.S. I mean, this this week alone, there is the House Judiciary Antitrust Subcommittee run by Senator David Cicilline out of Rhode yeah. Island. And he has been on the case. Mm. So to be fair, I mean, we know that Margaret Bestager here in Europe has been on the case for quite some time. And only this month, you know, she's she's been trying to pull in the U.S. US tech. I mean, mm. they are mostly U.S. companies, let's be honest. OK, they're global organizations yeah, yeah. with headquarters in the United States. So, you know, they have been trying to trying to look at this. But it, it, to be fair, in the U.S. and David Cicilline and, and the, the, the Senate have been looking at this. And actually, for the first time ever now this week, they have... Jeff Bezos, the four amigos, Jeff Bezos from Amazon, Tim Cook from Apple, Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook, and Sundar Pichai from Google. All four of them, they actually should have been going in person, but obviously what's going on with COVID, they're they're actually all doing it remotely this week. And they are testifying to the subcommittee and the antitrust um, uh, subcommittee. I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens. I mean, obviously, I think Tim Cook was there before mm-hmm. and he got like, you know, they were fawning over him um, because they're all like showing, him, you know, here's my iPhone, look at, me, look at me, and I'm just a great guy. I actually don't think they'll be as fawning mm-hmm. as they as they were previously. Mm-hmm. said what you said earlier about the market cap of Microsoft, 1.5 trillion, mm-hmm. you know, 46% growth in Teams use, mm-hmm. you know, from from a massive base as it stands. I mean, these guys are monopoly. You know, look at the numbers of users and searches. You know, can, 
you know, Google billions of searches a, a week, a month. You're talking, you know, billions of users of Facebook. They've monopolized. And there's absolutely, this is the big issue here. There's been absolutely yeah. no regulation. And we're going to come on to, to Guy now in a moment because I'd like to bring Guy in on this conversation. I think Guy is there. He's just joining us. We look at then the only interaction that we're seeing at a legislative or legal level is when they fight each other. Mm. So there's a fight which has been called the copyright lawsuit of the decade between Google on the one hand, which is the new tech and is obviously a huge influence in the market, and Oracle, who would be more the old tech mega vendor, mm. more on the business side, but massively, massively profitable. Look at how much money sure. one individual is able to make on, in the, at the end of the month of July or the month of, of June, he's able to do a transaction which flips you know, buy something for 60 million and sells it for 156 million. I mean, his own, in his own company, yeah. he gives some share options at a price. And the only way of actually getting some visibility, what's going on is if they have a row with each other. Mm. So we're waiting for the two massive giants to have this row. So I would like to bring Guy, Guy in on this very, very topic. And I hope you've been here, listening to us. Guy, how are you? Hi, Tomas. Thanks for that. No, enjoy- enjoyable. Nice, nice news roundup of what's happening in big vendor land. And Guy, a quick one before we dig into this copyright lawsuit. You know, you, you and I and Brendan have, have, have a bit of history together. We, we, we work together here. You help us out in, in Origina, full disclosure. But yep. we, we actually had a, a, something that we haven't done, either of us, for a very long time, is travel. And actually, before the loss, the the, 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 we were kicking off the podcast earlier. Myself and Brendan were reminiscing over our our two, a couple of days we spent in Chicago and Dallas back in uh, twenty. As it was at the end of twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I hope your your tra- your traveling nerves have gone. You, you you were quite paranoid about it. Anyone knows anything about my travel routine? It's quite um, it's quite last minute. Yeah, well, I'm planning to come to the Emerald Isle in August, so hopefully, um, uh, uh, foist myself on as hopefully welcome guests with friends. But that will be the, the first bit of travel for some time. Hopefully, you won't have to have to quarantine. They're making everybody quarantine coming to this country now. This well, stage. guy gets to the airport so early, he can just quarantine <laughs> at, the air, at the airport. Yeah, it's difficult. Difficulty getting through these things, and hey, do you remember that six foot five guy who came through? Yeah, I'm not. I I, I don't do anonymous well. <laughs> Very good. So, Kamir, guy, we we've been. I mean, you've got a huge experience. Twenty five years more experience in in as a barrister in this in this space. Um, I I'm I'm I mean, I mean, the main one I'm going to talk to you about is the copyright lawsuit. But before yeah. we talk about that. Have you got a, I mean, you know, the, what's happening this week in, in the U.S. is is an antitrust, obviously, an initiative by the U.S. Senate um, subcommittee. Uh, have you got any views or thoughts on that? And 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 as, do you see a connection between that and the, this this row between Google and Oracle? Not, not so much between Oracle and Google, although as you, you know, as you rightly say, in some ways, the only way to check big vendors is to get other big vendors to sue them. But actually, uh, I was thinking about you know the four companies which you talked to uh, talked about, uh, and it, it triggered a it triggered a thought in my mind, which took a bit of time coming through. Which is actually, this is a little bit like the late 19th century. If you know anything about the United States, you know, the late 19th century, there were huge companies who had sort of monopolists, railways, 
Vanderbilt, Harriman, Rockefeller, Oil, Ford, Cars. Uh, uh, these guys were huge. You know, these companies were huge. They had monopolies over various things. And increasingly, the public became uneasy about what was happening. And actually, interesting enough, that led to the first antitrust act in the United States, the Sherman Antitrust Act, 1890. And I think we're sort of seeing a rerun of that now with Amazon, Apple, uh, Google, uh, and obviously Facebook. Uh, you know, these companies are really beginning to take over um, and increasingly under scrutiny from not only the United States uh, Department of Justice, but also um, increasingly under scrutiny in the European Union uh, with um, Apple, for instance, uh, very much under scrutiny for the 30% that it charges for uh, its apps to be. So it's going to be, uh, as you said, it's, they're not going to be fawning over these guys. These guys are going to be put through the mill and see where they come out the other side. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. And I agree. We're, we're in it. We're in. I think we're going to look back at 2020 as as a year where things really, really changed. Um, and hopefully we get it right. Things change for the better. But bringing it on to the, the case, the, the, the route, the fight between Oracle and, and, and Google, this is this has been going on for the best part of 10 years. The fight, in layman's terms, my understanding of it is that it's it's a fight over over softer interfaces, particularly the Java language. I think it goes back to um, this partnership between Google and Sun Microsystems, who uh, Oracle bought in 2010. And I think it, it's following that acquisition by Oracle of Sun Microsystems. And it would be quite the norm with Oracle to, to when they acquire a company is to get their lawyers in to see who, who they can have a fight with. Uh, is, is a little bit of history there. They seem to have taken them on. Is that summary reasonable or have I, you know, could you tell us? And that's, that seems to be where, as I see it, and, and I guess the real question is, why is this really important to people? Okay, so just sort of unpacking that a little bit. Uh, so Oracle have been suing Google for the last 10 years, uh, seeking just a mere 9 billion US dollars against Google. Um, what's this come back to as often personalities, but really... From the wider perspective, this comes down to can you copyright APIs, application program interfaces? And the it's obviously US law. The impact on this could be huge because if you can copyright APIs, then that's really contrary to the understanding that people have had for years. Because obviously APIs, you know, if one program needs to interface with another program, you, you effectively have to replicate aspects of, of the API. And so, yeah, I mean, we've got a Supreme Court hearing coming up on the 7th of October. This has been uphill and down Dale quite a few times. So just to let people know what this hearing is about, uh, basically, Oracle had sued Google in 2010. And they said that Google's Android operating system made in infringing use of Java APIs, which uh, Oracle owned. That actually was held by a judge uh, that there was no copyright in API. That went up to on appeal. Judge called O'Malley said, no, they do have copyright protection. Google tried to take that up to the Supreme Court, turned down, went back to a jury to decide whether there was fair use of the APIs. Fair use is a well-known doctrine and well-known defense to copyright infringement. The jury found it was fair use. But then to everybody's amazement on appeal, the appeal court said, 
no, we're going to intervene. We're going to overrule this jury decision, which is almost unheard of in fair use. So that was overruled, again, interestingly enough, by the same judge, O'Malley. And so uh, Google took that up, taking up the Supreme Court. So you can't overrule a, a jury decision on fair use. And the Supreme Court have now got super interested in the whole concept of whether there's copyright in API, which is strange because... Technically, this is about fair use. It's not really about copyright and API, but I think they really want to open it all up. There have been more amicus curiae briefs than you can shake a leg at. Everybody's weighing into this one. So this is mega big, this case, coming up on the 7th of October. And a lot of people are sort of hanging on, hoping that the Supreme Court will find that uh, APIs are protected. But there's a lot of vested lobbying sort of going on here as well. And so, so Guy, tell us, who's on a boat, you know, leaving aside anyone outside the industry? So the software guys who have uh, a lot of intellectual property code that's protected by IP, they will want what? Um, they'll want us to go in Oracle's favor. Am I getting that right? And people who are players who are more in the open world, who use APIs regularly, who do integration, uh, they will want to go in Google's favor. Is that would that be would that be a fair well, layman's yeah, summary? A little bit. It's a bit more complicated than that because quite a few of the really big vendors have weighed in favor of Google because everybody uses APIs, whether you're a big vendor, small vendor, you know, everybody interacts with everybody else's pro. So you know, if you, you weigh in too much with Oracle, you're suddenly going to, you know, that's going to come and bite you. I mean, just to give you one example, just how big this is, Linux, which is everybody knows is an open source operating system. It's it's based upon a set of rules, a set of APIs called POSIX that mimics the Unix system. Most, some people may remember good old Unix. Yeah, AT&T developed it, I think, didn't they? I think. I think it's a company called Microfocus who ends up owning the rights, but now in Unix. But to see, if if, if this decision goes in favor of Oracle, uh, effectively it puts the whole legal basis of Linux into doubt because any uh, operating system which is using effectively these APIs because they're using Linux, suddenly, you know, potentially are infringing Microfocus's copyright and the APIs. And it says a sort of almost a sort of domino effect. You know, everybody's using everybody APIs. And, and I personally hope that the Supreme Court will effectively say, no, APIs aren't protectable. Uh, of course, just there's what, a lot of wrinkles here. but Can I just drill a little bit there, Guy, then? So yeah, sure. for, for Linux or Linux, we're saying, which is open source. So mm-hmm. effectively, the open source world could well be massively impacted by this decision if it goes in Oracle's favor. And I'm thinking it's going back to the topics that we talk about on this podcast regularly, IBM and their acquisition of Red Hat. I mean, certainly IBM would not want this to go in Oracle's favor, having spent $36 billion or $34 billion. They come out on anybody's side? They're on Google's side, I, I believe. I think IBM would come out on Google's side. Um, right. In fact, I'm pretty that sure about that. Yeah. And I think Microsoft have as well come out on Google's side. But, you know, there are others, I think, who have weighed in on favor of... So as I said, there are amicus, you know, the entire US antitrust legal history and IP legal industry has been gainfully employed in this case for, for many a year. Uh, look, so tell us, the looking at this, we have to wait. So there's a fight going on between these two massive organizations. 
what can legislators, if anything, do about this? Do they have to let this? I mean, the decision's been made in a court, but there still won't. So there'll be law around this, but there won't be any actual legislation in the back of this, will there? Well, the United States has a sort of history of if this is going to cause real economic upset, coming in with legislation, uh, if, if particularly if they think the Supreme Court has found it in favour of a law, but a law which doesn't work for most. Uh, I mean, again, sort of taking the, the you know, the, the forthcoming Senate subcommittee hearing, uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised if uh, we're going to see some changes to the antitrust law uh, in the United States because of, I mean, just, just rewinding a little bit, because it's quite important. For, for many decades in the United States, there's a, a school of economics called the Chicago School, which has prevailed, which is basically, if you become a monopoly, that's because you're better than your competitors. It's effectively saying, you know, companies which do really well get 80% market share, they're not doing well because of anti-competitive activities, they're doing well because they're best of breed. But a lot of people are really beginning to challenge that now. And they're sort of saying, well, actually, is that really true? And, and I think we're going to start seeing a bit of a swing against that Chicago school. Similarly, if the Supreme Court find in favor of uh, Oracle, uh, I think a, a lot of people will probably be expect some sort of legislative initiative because otherwise, you know, you're effectively taking the oil, the lubrication from engines all around the world the whole thing will seize up uh with people seeing everybody and i don't see that in the long term as sustainable yeah yeah uh it's uh, do the supreme court have a habit of taking political kind of views or the views of the day in into into consideration or they do they just purely look at it as a point of law no, the U.S. Supreme Court is, is is intensely political in many ways, and you know, you've got to remind yourself that appointees to the Supreme Court in the United States are, are really political appointments. And you probably remember some of the fuss about some of um, Trump's nominees who who went on. Um, yeah. you've got to remember this is a court which held that abortion in the Roe and Wade case in 1973 was legal. You know, we're talking about an intensely political. Uh, aspect. It's got a constitution. The constitution is very strong in the United States. And so there is no question that the the justices in the Supreme Court will have a very keen eye to the the sort of wider economic political landscape. Um, Even if it's dressed up in the law, that is just the way the Supreme Court works. You know, they can take that approach because, put bluntly, there's nobody above them apart yeah. from, you know, Washington, D.C. and legislators. The fact that they're a much more conservative Supreme Court judiciary now, do, do you think that that sways their judgment? Yeah, well, the weird thing, Trump, Trump has weighed in favour of Oracle. You know, there is a, a amicus brief from basically, US, which is, you know, slightly frightening, if I was being honest. You would have thought that on something like this, the government would have taken a neutral stance, you know, but no, they've weighed in favour of this. Um, so, you know, this is a real, I hesitate to use the phrase, rumble in the jungle. This is huge. You know, this is Foreman and Ali really slugging it out, everybody rooting on both sides. Uh, so whatever comes out from the Supreme Court is it, going to be an intensely scrutinised decision with, you know, possible copyright trolls, 
if it goes in favor of Oracle, looking to uh, see who they can sue. You know, this this is something which personally I find quite frightening if it goes in favor of Oracle. But but guy, like if you take it back to really you know basics, right? Rudimentary. When Google first started using the the API, would they would the with and which was originated from some some microsystems, would they not have had we always talk about the license, would they not have had a license, something that, that stated their usage policy was something that's that defined fair use? Are there any of those basics in place or, or... Yeah. I mean, like everything in life, you know, there's a an obvious seed which gave rise to this commercial seed. I mean, the commercial seed is this, is that Oracle wanted to get into the mobile operating system. They had a thing called Java SC or something like that. Google could have taken a, a license on that, but decided to develop Android operating system, which, of course, is pretty much 100% used in anything which isn't an Apple phone. Oracle didn't like that. And again, there are personalities involved in that. Uh, and so basically, Oracle said, right, let's sue them. They're not going to take a license. They've they've effectively prevented us from moving into the mobile operating system uh, yeah. field. And, you know, like every case, there's a little. it's a little grayer than you might see when you read, you know, the press releases. I mean, Google could have been said to take in a little bit too much of the APIs. And you've got to remember APIs, APIs, there's code, but also there's a data interface. And Oracle's point is, this is not about data interfacing. This is about you just taking a lot of our code and using it in the Android operating system. Uh, and, and there's no question that that influenced the Apple Corp's decisions, effectively overturning first instance decisions. Mm. If you were to be, a, if you were a betting man, guy, who would you say will win? I, or what will I, happen? I think that what the Supreme Court will probably do, and I am a betting man, if not on the horses, I think that what the Supreme Court would do is basically reinstate the jury's decision. There's a huge respect in the United States for jury decision. The jury found that what Google did was fair use of the APIs. That I think they're going to say that the appellate court was wrong to overturn that. You do not tamper, you do not overturn jury decisions unless it's plainly and very clearly wrong. I don't think this one was plainly and clearly wrong. I think the jury had every right to find this was fair use. And in a funny way, that's the sort of let out for the Supreme Court. Basically, use of copyright interfaces, APIs, is fair use. So they don't have to sort of pine and rule on the very, very big picture. The Supreme Court doesn't like ruling on a big picture if a small picture decision works. So I think they're going to basically say, no, the jury decision stands. It's not infringement. There is copyright possibly in APIs. But here it was fair use, which is a defence. Yeah, I don't know how much money you have on that bet, but um, we're going to be watching the Galway races later, putting some money on, and the national hunt is starting tomorrow in Galway. I will find it very interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I think there's a lot riding on this, as you point out, and it is the rumble in the jungle. So we look forward to seeing what comes out of it. Guy, thank you. You really have helped us there understand this an awful lot better. I hope the listeners understand it more. We'd love to come back to you and talk to you about this again. Sure. Post-October 7th, mm. um, maybe before Christmas, we might see where things are at. 
and and have a revisit of this because uh, it's it'll be very interesting to see what happens and what's the final outcome. These things never really don't seem to end, do they? They seem to just go on. Can there be an appeal to the Supreme Court? Can they keep, can they keep going on, or is this the, is this it? This is the Supreme Court hearing coming up. Yeah. After the Supreme Court hearing, it's pretty much God and God alone. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, so, and, and, you know, it's going to take time for the judgment to come out as well. So, yeah, watch that space. Um, yeah. this, there's going to be a lot of commentary on this. Brilliant. It's been fascinating, guys, always. Thank you so much for your insights. Thank you very much for your, your information. It really has been a pleasure to have you, as always. I'm hoping to see you very soon. Um, yes, indeed. Brendan, it's sad. I mean, I told you earlier that it feels like a cleansing. I feel a little bit cleansed. Oh, yeah. Very cleansed. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, a little bit yeah, worried as well. It's kind of worried me a little bit there. but It's just like hand sanitizer, really, this podcast to me. Excellent. Excellent. I hope you've killed all the germs. And we're going to be back again. We're both on holidays. I'm going to be down in West Cork. You're going to be in Schligach. Yeah. We will be having a very interesting guest, Todd Uderstedt, who will be joining us. And Todd is the uh, podcast host for Founder to CEO, mm-hmm. which is a number two podcast of the top 25 CEO podcasts. He is going to teach us some very clever tips and tricks and ideas mm-hmm. from some of the smartest technology founders. And hopefully, Great. maybe Arvind will be listening. Yeah. Uh, Larry might listen. Yeah. There is, you can always learn. You can always 100%. learn. So we look forward to that. Um, so what, what date is that? End of, end of August. End of August. Yeah. Okay, so right. we'll be taking a couple of weeks off. A little bit of a break. A little bit of a break. We're in the yeah. July now. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Look forward to August that. August is a quiet month anyway. So Yes. Yeah. Or August is often not a quiet month as the World War, I think World War One and World War Two started. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you wish for. On that note, thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks the most. Thank and you. Thanks again to Guy. Yeah. See you then. Bye-bye.